0: Well, we are a few weeks into a sermon series called True and Better, and our hope in this series is to learn to see Jesus in all the Bible. God planned to redeem the world before he even made it. He planned for Jesus to come and to die and be raised for the salvation of sinners, even before Adam and Eve took the first bite of forbidden fruit. It's really actually amazing to think about. Uh, we started this series on the road to Emmaus, um, where a couple of other disciples discovered the same truth that it's all about Jesus, right? So Jesus' death was devastating for his followers. Many had hoped that he was the savior that they had long waited for, but then he died. And uh, a few days later, this resurrected Jesus takes a walk with a couple of those disciples leaving Jerusalem, headed to Emmaus. And as they walk, he conceals himself from them. They're so upset, their hopes for a savior have drowned in their despair. But he steps into their doubt and he taught them, the Bible says, uh, about himself from all the scriptures. And so I wonder what that conversation might have been like, maybe. Uh, I imagine Christ told them how the Messiah that they've been waiting for was intricately involved in creation, that he is the powerful word of God. I imagine uh, he reminded them about the story of Adam and Eve and the fall in the garden and how that was actually a setup for a much better Adam yet to come. A man who wouldn't fail when tempted, but who would suffer the righteous one in place of sinful men. This suffering Savior is the only one who can redeem sinners. He's the only one and restore what was lost in the garden. I imagine Jesus might have said, don't don't you see, guys? The Messiah had to suffer. He had to suffer. Maybe he reminded them on that journey of the days of Noah. The evil in the world had gone from bad to worse. God warned of a judgment that would destroy all that he had made. Save only what was on board a big boat. For over a hundred years, Noah preached with passion and he built an ark in reverent fear. But the people rejected Noah and rejected God until the door closed behind him and the rains began to fall. The people had laughed. They had laughed and carried on with life as if judgment wasn't really coming. Until it was too late. Jesus may have said to these disciples on the road, just like Noah was rejected in his day, so must the Christ be rejected. Maybe they remembered the guards laughing and casting lots for the clothes of Jesus at the foot of the cross. Church, today I want us to... Be gripped by the truth that Jesus is the true and better Noah. All right, so as Jesus taught them about himself, the Bible says their hearts burned within them, that they, they recognized him, their doubts disappeared, they were overcome with faith because they realized this Messiah that they were doubting is alive. This is him, this is Jesus. He's conquered death, he's alive, right? Yeah. All right, so Easter's two weeks away. Are you guys excited? I'm excited, if you can't tell, right? I'm ready to get there. But we've got a few more weeks, a couple more weeks. There's no reason to wait to celebrate the living Lord Jesus. He's our living hope. We celebrate him week in, week out, right? Amen. I hope you have in mind some people to bring uh, with you for Easter. Every year this place is full. We thank God for that. And um, every year a few folks stay with us because they're so captivated by Christ. And that's our hope. Would you begin praying now that the Lord would bring someone with you that he's working to redeem and that through the proclamation of the gospel, he would captivate their heart? Would you pray for that? Well, this morning we dig into the most significant historical event in the world. Are you ready? Grab your Bibles, if you will, and go with me to Genesis chapter 6. As uh, biblical history unfolds, it is telling us of who our God is and how he intends to save us. Today, we're going to see that the flood and Noah and the ark are more than just a memory of judgment and salvation. It's more than just history on a page. It is the foreshadowing of a greater judgment and an eternal salvation. And while I think most of us are familiar with the story of Noah and the Ark, I want us to read it from God's Word. Now, mind you, this is four chapters in Genesis, so we'll read some excerpts. Would you stand to your feet with me in honor of God's Word as we read from Genesis chapter 6 and 7? 6 and 7, I want to pick up in chapter 6, verse 5. This is the Word of the Lord. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah Found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence and through them, violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you're to make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 50 cubits. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your son's wives with you and every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds, according to their kinds of the animals, according to their kinds of every creeping thing on the ground, according to its kind, two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Go to verse 11, chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, and on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of heaven were opened. And rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth, Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons, with them entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kinds and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heavens were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, and all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth. All mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Let's pray. Lord God of heaven and earth, You are holy and just and righteous. Your judgments are pure and right. And we, Lord, are sinful. Use your word to open our eyes and open our hearts to the truth today. Help us to see sin the way you do. Awaken a passion in us to warn people of the judgment of God. And help us to be gripped by the mercy and grace of a God that rescues even us in Christ Jesus. For his glory, we pray. Amen. If we approach the story of Noah and the ark like merely a children's story with coloring pages, we miss it completely. This is not about an old man and his floating zoo. It is not a fun story about a family who took a carnival cruise line. No. God drowned the world that he had made. In the greatest act of devastating judgment the world has ever seen. This is about the awesome and terrible Wrath of God against sin on full display. It's a sobering, sobering text. We left off last time with Adam and Eve's fall in the Garden of Eden. They directly disobeyed God, He gave them one order, one restriction, and with one law to break, they were lawbreakers. They came under his judgment. God promised in the middle of his cursing a coming redeemer, but he banished them from the garden. We read in Genesis 4 and 5 how Adam and Eve had children, Cain and Abel. And it's not long before sin gets really bloody. Cain kills his brother Abel. We see the deadly nature of sin. As the generations after them go, there is more and more and more sin until we get to Genesis chapter 6, where the commentary that the Lord gives is this. Every intention of the thoughts of man's heart is only evil all the time. That's the commentary. From the Lord. We see that sin disintegrates the marriage. Adam and Eve went from a beautiful union to Shame and blame. Sin destroys the family. Cain and Abel can't even be content together. Brothers murdering one another. Sin divides society. Men marrying multiple women. And all the things that you read about in Genesis 5. And we find that our whole civilization is broken With God rejecting sin. I want us to pull out three massive truths from the story of Noah, from this historical event. Three massive truths. First, sin is serious. God's actions against sin are catastrophic. I don't know if it sobered you up when you read, but in chapter 7, verse 22, everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life, everything died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and the birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. This is catastrophic. In the garden, there was a forbidden fruit. And the Lord said to eat of it means death. In Noah's day, God dealt with rampant wickedness, with a global flood and destroyed everything. The whole world that he had created. And just based on the severity of the consequences alone, we have to say God takes our sin Seriously. The flood proves the extent of man's sin and the magnitude of God's righteous judgment. Sin is serious. But but isn't this the the deception of the enemy? Hasn't it been the deception from the beginning, right? to, To belittle the seriousness of sin? With Adam and Eve, the enemy said, oh, you won't surely die. He hasn't even changed his tactics with you. And me, he's constantly trying to convince us that our sin is eh, it'll fly beneath the radar. God's not that concerned with your sin. If you can be convinced that your sin is no big deal, then you'll look at the flood and you'll think, wow, those people must have been really bad. But the flood points to the supreme holiness of God. Not some unique kind of wickedness in man. We we read this story and we want to think that um, that we're Noah in the story. We want to put ourselves in the role of the hero. But if the, the truth be known, if you and I were in the story, we drowned. We are desperately wicked. Sin is serious. Here's what the Bible tells us about sin. All have sinned. All have sinned. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Fall short of the glory of God. The truth is we're no better than they were. Romans 3 goes on to say, no one is good. No, not one. No one does good. And maybe you'd argue and you'd say, no, no, no. I mean, people do good things like people. I know some people who don't know Jesus that do good things. Now think for a minute. In order for something to be a good thing, it has to be the right thing done the right way for the right reason. And in many cases, people do the right thing. Maybe they do the right thing the right way. But no unbeliever does the right thing the right way for the glory of God. Now the Bible says, there's none good, no, not one. All have sinned. Romans 14, 23, just to really drill it into us, says everything done apart from faith is sin. Everything done apart from faith is sin all has sinned now these are sobering truths secondly God will not overlook sin now this just heaps scary bad news right the Lord will not deny his own character He cannot, even when you and I are faithless and we fail, he cannot deny himself. He's faithful and he will judge sin. He will not turn a blind eye. He will not sweep it under the rug. He will not pretend it doesn't exist. In Exodus 34, the Lord says, I will by no means acquit the guilty. This sounds like really bad news, doesn't it? Guess what? It gets worse. Because the third reality is that sin demands death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So from the very first sin, if you remember Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they realized they were naked, they tried to clothe themselves with some leaves. God steps in with grace and covers their shame with the skins of animals. The very first sin Demanded death, and God has not changed His mind. No sin will be forgiven apart from the shedding of blood. Hebrews nine twenty seven, Ephesians one seven, both say that reality. Now, to be clear, here is what we've just said in those three truths about sin. We've just said everyone is a wicked sinner. No sin gets a pass. And the wage of sin is death. So you're saying everyone is in trouble. And that leads us to the second truth from Noah. And the story is this judgment is sure. God promised the destruction of his own world. He said in Genesis 6 13, I will destroy with the earth. I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. And then we read in chapter 7, he did just that. Everything decimated. God Almighty, who spoke and breathed life into his creation, is now speaking again, declaring his judgment. And everything that had life in its breath, in its lungs, is now dead. The same God says, I will destroy it all. Sin is serious. Judgment is sure. The flood, Noah's flood, it shows the magnitude of God's wrath. The magnitude of his wrath. Now, Noah received the warning from God and the command to build a boat. Noah believed and with reverent fear, Hebrews 11 says seven says with reverent fear, he built the ark according to all the specs that God commanded. He believed God's warning. He obeyed God's commands. But as Noah and his sons worked day after day. Decade after decade, right, for, for over 100 years, about 120 years, they spent building this ark, preaching the, the repentance, preaching righteousness. They're building a boat bigger than a high school football stadium, right? Imagine that imagery in your mind. You, you sat at a football stadium. That's how big the boat is that Noah's building. All this time, there's not a drop of rain falling from the sky. Not even a dark cloud and rolling thunder. No bolt of lightning. No hint that a flood would be coming. And for over a hundred years, Noah is saying, it's going to rain. You better prepare. I'm building a boat. Not a drop. Not a cloud. No thunder. So how do the people respond? Maybe at first they're alarmed by Noah. His message. But it's not long before they're seduced back into the simple daily pleasures of life, not to be bothered by this crazy prophet proclaiming judgment, telling them their sin is serious and God's judgment is sure. I don't want to be bothered with him. They have no fear of death, no thought toward a coming judgment against sin. They're totally consumed in this world's self-indulgence. Jesus said in Luke 17, Luke 17, verse 27, Jesus said they were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. I want you to get the imagery that's being painted here. In Noah's day, the people have totally blocked out the voice of God's prophet. They've silenced their ears to the warnings, to the grace, the mercy of God to say, judgment is coming. They've plugged their ears and they're dancing a jig, drinking, eating, getting married, having parties. Noah is building a boat. God, please, not today. We're not ready today. The contrast in our minds should be stark. Stark. Noah's warning them, but they just keep eating and drinking. They, they're just enjoying life. Carpe diem, right? That's just seize the day. Let, YOLO, you only live once. This is life. Meanwhile, Noah, Noah, is persistently and passionately pleading with them. You got to believe. What are you doing? God is going to send a flood and destroy it all. If you're not on the boat. How does God deal with sinful people? Genesis 6, 7 says the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animal and creeping thing, birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I made them. For the first time in. Genesis. The Lord saw and he regretted. Remember the creation story every day of creation. Day one, God made the light and he saw and he said, oh, it is good. Day two, God made and he saw and oh, it's good. God made Adam. He made Eve. He put them together. He saw this is very good. And we get to Genesis six and the Bible says, and God saw It was corrupt. And he was grieved with what he saw after everything that he had made. Sin had corrupted it all. So the flood shows the magnitude of God's wrath. But now listen, it shows the magnitude of God's grace. Think for a moment. There didn't have to be an ark. God didn't have to save anyone. God didn't have to patiently wait while Noah built an ark and preached repentance to a people who are too busy and too bothered to listen. But God lingered. He's slow to anger, He's patient. He's full of grace. He didn't have to, but he did. This holy God who alone judges the hearts of men is merciful and gracious. Listen to the heart of God. Ezekiel 33 11. As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. This is the heart of God who flooded the world. Noah and his sons were saved, but not because they deserve it. Listen, they were saved by the grace of God. Our kids today are memorizing this verse, Genesis 6 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, Noah found grace. Favor in the eyes of the Lord. Don't miss it. Like Noah, grace is our only hope. Sin is serious. Judgment is sure. God's wrath is real. And grace is your only hope. Noah and his family were sinners. God was gracious to them. How do we know they were sinners? Well, when the ark landed on the mountaintop, they got off the boat. They worshiped. Noah learned how to work a vineyard. He got drunk, passed out naked. Why is that story in the Bible? I think maybe a couple of reasons. One, Noah's a sinner. Two, where God was starting over, the fall and weakness of Adam Continues on. Noah gets off the boat and immediately he is naked and ashamed again. The pattern begins to repeat. And we see that the brokenness of the fall of Adam continues through Noah. Through Noah, God preserved the human race by his grace and there is a new beginning. But listen, we need a better Savior. Someone better than Noah, like him, but better. And here we go. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. The flood and Noah's ark point us to a greater judgment that is yet to come. A greater salvation that is promised in Christ alone. 2 Peter 3, verses 4 through 9. I want to read it. I want you to read with me. It tells of a greater judgment and God's patience to save. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. He's patient with you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Listen, what Jesus was saying in Luke 17. He was saying that, the Son of Man, the days of the Son of Man are like the days of Noah. Because they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day the judgment came. He is not slow, He is patient. Listen, this is sobering, right? You're not going to hear this preached on TV. The judgment of God is coming. real and it's serious and all ungodly who are not in christ will perish forever this time it will be by fire not by flood god promised to never do that again as we just said in luke 17 jesus says just as it was in the days of noah So will it be in the days of the son of man. So Jesus is connecting dots for us, isn't he? Noah and Jesus is the better Noah, the true and better Noah. Listen, Jesus is the true and better Noah. Noah was considered blameless by God. Jesus actually was blameless. He was sinless. Noah is a preacher of righteousness. Jesus is the righteous one. He proclaims righteousness and he procures righteousness for his people. He provides righteousness to any who will come by faith to him. Noah and his wife, his sons, this, their wives, they're all saved from the flood. Jesus will rescue his bride and all his household of faith. Noah was the builder of an ark, so Christ is the builder of his kingdom. Noah was long in building the ark, and Christ is long in building his kingdom to show the mercy and patience of God. Noah finished the ark, and then came judgment by water. When Christ has gathered all those that the Father has given him, then will come the judgment by fire. Noah built one ark, only one boat, no lifeboats attached to it, one boat. And only those who were in the ark when the floodwaters came were saved. In the same way, God gives only one way of salvation. He gives us his only son. And only those who by faith are in Christ will be saved from ultimate and eternal judgment of God. The salvation of Noah's Ark preserved their lives, but they didn't escape the corruption of their own hearts. They got off the boat sinners. But the salvation of Christ both saves and purifies the believer and ultimately delivers us into a new heaven and a new earth completely unstained by sin. We were celebrating that this morning. The salvation of Jesus is complete. And eternal. And it is good. Jesus said, just as in the days of Noah, will the days of the son of man be. I want to leave you with just three questions. What will it be like? The days of the son of man. What will they be like? Well, there will be pronouncement of judgment. For the sins of men. Just as Noah. Noah. Pronounced judgment, so too in the days of the Son of Man. Man is a pronouncement of judgment. There will be a provision of salvation. That obviously has come in Jesus, a provision of salvation for those who believe. Noah had the ark, we have Christ. There will be those who will carry on with life with no thought for sin, no concern for judgment. The Bible says they were eating and drinking and carrying on until the flood came and destroyed them all. The same will be true. All who dismiss God's warning and reject Jesus will perish. Just as they did in Noah's day. There will be some who heed the warning. Praise God, right? And by God's grace, through faith in Jesus, they'll be saved for eternity. As we were singing this morning... Great are you, Lord. Because of this text, my mind had different imagery. You know, often as I'm singing those type expressions, I'm thinking of the greatness of God in the cross, the greatness of God in the resurrection and the greatness of God in the goodness of the gospel. But this morning, what was setting on me was the heaviness of the greatness of God in the sweeping nature of his judgment. So what will it be like? It will be like the days of Noah. Now when are the days of the Son of Man? You know, when Jesus said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son. When is this going to be? Wake up, it's now. Now. Jesus is pointing to the time from when God foretold His judgment. With Noah, it was the moment God warned him and he began to preach and build. And with Jesus, it's the moment Christ declared to the moment he returns. We live in these days, church. The days of the Son of Man are now. We know of the awful and terrible judgment of God that is coming. We know of the only hope for all the world is Jesus. And it will be worse. You know, God showed us what his greatness is like, what his judgment is like. He gave us a vivid picture with a massive global flood. And it will be worse than the great flood. But his salvation will be better. God will consume the earth with fire. But listen, listen, listen. Now are the days that Jesus is referencing. So who are we? Are we those who are eating and drinking and laughing and cutting up? Or is there a somberness, a seriousness about us who... As we, as we live, do we proclaim the truth that we know? That judgment is real. Salvation is real. It's available to you. There's hope for you. There's hope in Christ. But if you don't turn to Christ, judgment is coming. What must we do? Christian, do not get sucked into the everyday cares of this world so much that you lose sight of the eternal concerns, the weight of glory. Imagine Noah. With every board and swing of a hammer, he showed the world that his primary concern is the promise of God. Everyone thought this man was crazy. Are you willing to live like that? He was committed to preaching the gospel to people who rejected him every day as they laughed and played their games. Noah cried out, the Lord is grieved by your sin. He will judge us all, but he's made a way of salvation. Church, our message is the same, only more specific. The Lord is grieved by our sin. He is going to judge, but he's made a way in Jesus Christ. And there's hope for you. There's hope for me, not because I'm better than anybody or not because you're better than anybody. But by the grace of God, in Jesus Christ, there's hope for us. He's the only way of salvation. So, Christian, repent of your sin. Call out to your world, those that you love. Don't watch them play their games in silence, knowing the judgment of God is coming. Unbeliever in the room and listening online. Hear the echoes of the warnings of Noah. Don't be deceived by the lack of passion in Christians around you. Our hearts have been dulled by simple pleasures in this life. We are sinners still. Forgive us for our silence, but hear the heart of God in the promise and warning of Jesus. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't send His Son to the world to condemn it, but the world through Him might be saved. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, it's condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. All of us are sinners. Every one of us. And God takes it seriously. His judgment is real. Salvation is available to you. Anyone who believes in Jesus, it's as if you got on Noah's Ark, only better, you'll be saved for all eternity.